calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time instead of all at once. My name is Jenny Owen-Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And this week we are talking about season two, episode 15, Phases. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every week for an original song written by us, recapping the Buffy episode that we are discussing. Innocence was written by Rob Desotel and Dean Batali and directed by Bruce Seth Green. It originally aired on January 27th, 1998. This is the one where Buffy and her friends discover secrets about themselves as they battle a werewolf, its hunter, and their own emotions. Also known as, this is the one where Oz is a werewolf and Larry is gay. But also, <laughs> I really like the IMDb <laughs> description. Oh yeah, no, it's good. It's, it's good, but just like if you want to really have your memory jog. Right, right, right. This is the one where Oz is a werewolf and Larry is gay, for right. sure. <laughs> and the one where Xander cannot keep it together. He can. I am on such a journey with Xander. He is a whirling dervish. Right? I like, I'm, I, I could not believe the like peaks and valleys of my emotions. Right? With Xander in this. Like I just went from like hating him like possibly to the most I've ever hated him to being like, wow, Xander, great move. Or like, wow, man, this is really interesting the way you're handling this situation. Yeah. So we'll get into all of that and more starting now. Starting right now. Did you like my uh, announcer announcer voice? That was great. All of that and more. It, it okay. didn't register at all because I'm always doing an announcer voice. <laughs> so one of my favorite parts about this episode is the very first moment where callback. Yes, because I got so excited when the when the scene first started. I was like, Oh my god, Amy's mom is in there! And then they were actually calling it out and referencing Amy's mom because Oz is like, Yo, the eyes and the statue yes, are following me wherever I go. Yeah. And any any comments on that, I like it, <laughs> <laughs> which is great. Uh, and then Willow comes in in a matching hat and sweater. That oh my deserves... god, like chenille. Yeah, we don't have Kate on this episode, so I'm going to give a few shout outs to outfits because there's some yeah. serious... there's some winners. 
There's some serious situations in here. But yeah, the, the fact that her hat and her sweater is the exact same color, yeah. I think is very special. So good job, uh, Were you doing that in the 90s? I for sure was doing that in the 90s. Yeah, I don't have, I mean, you know, some of these outfits give me like really, really hard smacks of memories. This one doesn't like smack me quite as hard, but I'm, I'm sure that, I'm sure that I played this game. <laughs> I'm certain that I played it. <laughs> And we see this great interaction between Oz and Willow uh, where Willow comes up and is like, hi. And Oz is like very Ozily. Well, that's what I was going to say. And they have like Aww. a sweet little interaction talking about how they went to a movie. They went to a movie. They went to a movie. They don't. He doesn't remember the movie because it was just like the popcorn. Except he remembers the popcorn. Right. It's a He's whole very, thing. I mean, it's setting us up for this episode of Oz, which is just full of mixed messages. Yeah. Oz is all over the map. And Willow gets super flustered and has a great line where she's like, oh, there. <laughs> I have my friend, so I will go to her. And <laughs> just like runs to Buffy like hell. But it's it's really cute because they're in this like period of time. We saw them last episode almost kiss and Oz was like, mm-hmm. not now, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Willow has been waiting and waiting and waiting. And I love Willow's entire arc of this episode where she's like, I am done waiting. Yeah. Willow is after it. Yeah, she's ready to seize. She is. And there this I want to just call out the fact that this was a really long pre-credits situation. You know, really long. We had I like kept having more notes to write down and was like D- are, do they not have credits in this episode? Yeah. Um because then we go to Larry. Oh, Larry being such a pig. Oh, the worst. Larry really again, if you want to talk about journeys we go on, we go on a real big journey with Larry in this episode cuz he is a nightmare. Yeah, total he, nightmare. He's been he's been presented as a nightmare, but he's especially but a this nightmare. Is, yeah, very um, extreme. Knox, you know, he goes over to Oz is doing the like classic like, "Oh man, you dating a junior? But but it's cuz she puts out. You should tell me all about it. Tell me about her boobs." Like, what? <laughs> Why? You know what I mean? What is going What is even Okay. That's but then this also girl, thank you thigh master yes so right because this girl comes over he knocks the books out of her hands right so that she bends over and he can check out her uh, you'd think skirt? her ass but he's actually really Looking he makes comments thighs? about her thighs uh, um, interesting yeah but super, also thigh ma- do you remember thigh master yes I was gonna say you know last time I had a um, a moment like this it was with the uh, gigapet and I bought right. one please so don't now- buy a thigh master please don't eBay a thigh master <laughs> while I'm out of the house please we don't need a thigh master we're fine I was just like why were thigh masters Wait, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, you I want kind of want a thigh master. Okay. But why were they such a big deal? Because infomercials. But, like, why the thigh master? You know? Like, why did everyone get the thigh master? It was just a trend. It just, like, caught on, like, wildfire. It's just, like, it only works one thing. Your thighs. Just one thing. But the thing is that, like... I guess probably your butt, too. Yeah. I think maybe we're, we're societally moving towards a more more holistic approach to things every day. But uh, that... We had to start from somewhere start, that was more start compartmentalized. Work. I will say that um, in the early 2000s, I lived with my friend Ingrid, and she is notorious for her desire to purchase everything off of the television set at like three in the morning. And she purchased us both the ab slider. What? You, you don't need two? Well, it was like a buy one now and get Go-go? the second free, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. um, so no. we had, I think it was the app. No, it wasn't the ab slider. It was like this disc that like you put your knees in these like knee bowls. They were called knee bowls because knee bowls. I remember assembling it. You put your knees in the knee bowls and then you like, it was like on a circle track. And Did you, you like, like knee bowl and then you knobbled, but you didn't fall down? Wow. <laughs> 
Cool. Thanks, Jenny. You're welcome. Anyway, I will say that we had a great time on those machines for about one day, and then we put them on the curb because who you <laughs> who uses them? <laughs> anyway, thinking yeah. about th- things you wish you could have not done. Mm. Um, then Willow in Ugh. talking to Buffy this about is... how she like wants Oz to like get on with it already is like I don't want to be the only girl in school without a real boyfriend. Yeah. Weeks ago, this wasn't even a blip on Willow's radar. She was like, I love my computers. I know, but she- And I'm not concerned She's awakening. mm. She's blossoming like a flower in the springtime, Jenny. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Blossoming into someone who says things like, 1-800-I'm-dating-a-skanky-hoe. Yeah, that's where I thought you were going um, at first. That's (sighs) a really rough moment. Um, There's a couple of moments in this episode. I mean, this is a a rough moment because it's directed at Cordelia, and it's like girl-on-girl hate based on like- sexual activity which is just super super bummer town especially because you know it it just doesn't seem like it's in their wheelhouse to like shame based on you know what I mean like Willow just two weeks ago was like yeah seize that shit Buffy Um, right right right. but what we're what we're seeing is like classic uh misdirect like redirect your disappointment your sorrow and your anger at Xander for not wanting you back at Cordelia the object of his right affection. right and I, and I think that Cordelia also gets pushed into that category because I, I as I was saying that I was like well but Willow was super into Buffy like doing it with Angel because they were like in love and like Buffy had never done it before and I do think that there's like a really marked difference um, in perception in the perception of people but especially like in the perception of girls in the 90s speaking as a person who was a girl in the 90s um, where you know if you were if you were like having sex that wasn't necessarily bad but if you were like having sex with a bunch of people or like even making out with a bunch of people that was like Mm -hmm. that would put you in a particular category and that's that's what willow is is saying here and it's really rough and she she kind of brings it on herself later on when she's in the library and and buffy is like yo you need to take action you need to be the one to make the first move and she's like but what if that like doesn't that make me a slut and buffy's like and buffy doesn't it's like i just want them to be I want them to be woke, you know? I want them <laughs> to be like, no, of course not, Willow. And you shouldn't refer to yourself as a slut. You should love your body. And uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> But of course they don't because they're teenagers and they don't know yet that they're being manipulated by a system um, larger than what themselves. What system is that? It's the patriarchy, oh. Jenny. It is the patriarchy. I've heard of that somewhere <laughs> on a podcast, perhaps. So speaking of the patriarchy, then we go (laughs) (laughs) lover's lane, lover's lane. Okay. I have to like, just ask you because this is, I have seen this in movies and television shows for my whole life and I have never experienced it ever that there was a place where multiple people would drive to make out. Is this something that you know and have experienced? Well, I lived like in the woods. Right. So the population wasn't really dense enough for us, I think, to require a lover's lane. Oh, maybe there were like individual back road pockets. Right. You know? Right. I mean, like we would definitely. One person, two person lover's lane. (laughs) However many people you're with, whatever, it's fine. But but there wasn't like a, a hot spot, at least for for me. And maybe that's for similar reasons. Maybe there was just enough roads in upstate New yeah, York. Yeah. I mean not... sometimes movie theaters were a thing. Yeah, that's true. But not I just I just feel like I missed out on something, is all I'm saying, you know? Like a bunch of cars parked with all the windows steamed up. It just seems so fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if anyone knows of any good parking spots, necking spots in Los Angeles, let us know so that Jenny and I can go Yeah, so we can go our necking. Youth. Yeah. <laughs> go you just necking. reminded me of the first time that I was in a movie theater with a boy uh, who used our time in the movie to um, 
attempt to make out with me. I don't know if we like actually. Oh yeah, I remember my first if it movie was make prolonged. Out. Well, my what movie was, was movie? Uh, Varsity Blues. Ooh, starring. James Vanderbeek of Dawson's Creek fame. Wow, what a connection. Yeah, sharing the, the time block now with the uh, M- So that was later on then. Do you remember what year that was? I was probably like a sophomore. Okay, yeah. Because my first movie makeout was Baby's Day Out. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. I don't. The only reason I remember the movie title is because I was. Is it a prequel to Dirty Dancing? <laughs> I is it a movie about an actual baby? It's a. There, no, there's an actual baby. You can't. It's like it's like a like the classic movie where like the baby's in a runaway stroller. Like I think that's like what the deal is. You know, like it's like totally ridiculous. And what? I went to the movies with this guy and we made out. Wow. And I think I was in eighth, uh, maybe ninth grade. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Baby's Day Out. Somebody do the research. Find out when Baby's Day Out was released. This is just like Quest for Camelot. Like the only reason that this movie is being put into the universe is because it has a very specific foothold in my life. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yes, moving right along. Cordelia, Cordelia, do you even want to be here? Is like her general vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm impressed, <laughs> and I think this, this is really interesting because I, I think this like indicates that Cordelia has feelings here, right? Because Cordelia would not deal with this shit. Mm-mm. Like she, we have never seen her put up with anyone's bullshit, and yet she's putting up with Xander's bullshit. Like, it's interesting. It's very questionable. I don't understand. And the only reason that I could give to this is that she has feelings. Right. And she do- probably doesn't know what those are, you know. Right, right, They're right. very new to her. Um, I, I want to say, I, you know, I love Cordelia, but I have a real problem with how she calls her father daddy. I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. We have received multiple Twitter requests to not daddy shame. I'm not daddy shaming. <laughs> I'm daddy shaming in the context of it being your actual father. Right, right. Okay, great. that's all you can. I, great. Just I am to be clear. I just want to. I am super be respectful. You, we've received multiple Twitter requests about this episode, or just about what, like not previous this episode, daddy previous, shaming. Previous daddy shaming. I'm not daddy shaming. If you have a daddy, that is totally awesome and great. It's just that at a certain point, like post bat mitzvah, post quinceanera, <laughs> post your debutante coming out ball. <laughs> however, you transition into young womanhood. That is absolutely the hard cutoff, right? For calling, for calling your, your dad, actual father, daddy, daddy. I just and and there's also like a context here because it's 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 I like mean, you're infantilizing yourself, right? And and I mean it's such a it's such a trope with like rich girls, right? Like I think that's right. why Cordelia right. is saying this is yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's really positioning her as like the rich girl because she because she, she specifically says like daddy's car, right? So mm-hmm. that's why she's saying it. I get it. I'm just t- saying that like most things Cordelia does. Uh, turn me on. This turns me off. It's you, you. Maybe you're into it. I'm not trying to shame you. If you like it, I'm just telling you, Cordelia. If you and I are going to be together, we're going to have to have a conversation. Oh, uh, what? About- <laughs> Wait, that's not the only conversation you're going to have to have. <laughs> but also, like you do, you. Yeah. I'm. I'm just. I just want to support you and see you happy. Um, and then Jenny, we get our first look at <laughs> some of the most spared in- no expense <laughs> guys. The werewolf, though. <laughs> it looks great. It is the silliest. It's like, it's like they, they had everything ready. Like, the scripts had been circulated. Everyone learned their line. The sets were built. Everything was ready to go. And then they realized, just as they were about to shoot the first scene with the werewolf, oh, shit, we forgot to get a werewolf costume. And then Jerome 
in costuming, yep. ran down to Party City, yep. and was like, do you have werewolf costumes? They're like, well, it's off season, so we only have the ones that didn't sell because they're so bad. Yeah, buried they're underneath. They're in aisle 17. Yeah, buried underneath a pile of witch hats, matted and squished <laughs> yeah. was the werewolf oh, costume. Oh, no. They used and what's incredible about this werewolf costume is that not only is it so ridiculous, but the camera cannot stop. <laughs> the camera loves it. The camera loves it. It can't, like, they yeah. can't keep the camera. There's no, it's like in signs, you know, how like signs is happening and you're like, oh, this movie is interesting and cool. And if we never see the alien, that would be great. But right. then you just start seeing the alien in like daylight and like all over the place. And it's like, I think this would be more effective uh, if there was some sort of like shroud of mystery. Right? Like a little shadow. Or just shroud of darkness. Uh, they're like, they're like, uh, hey, lighting team, what do you think about how should we light to wear a full light in this spotlight? Full- Full blast. Every hair on its head. We can see every tooth in its ridiculous mouth. It is lit. Yeah. Um, but here before the credits, actually, all we get is the silhouette. And you still right. can tell. That yeah, it yeah, is yeah, yeah. The silliest. They should have just put an actual dog in the shot and it would have been better yeah. than this bobble-headed, <laughs> ridiculous excuse for a werewolf. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. So, okay. so then Cordelia's driving. Well, first, okay, yes. before Cordelia is driving, I'm just going to say, I think pretty regularly about all of the reasons not to have or drive a ragtop convertible. Oh, yeah. Um, similar to driving a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. I mean, or like a Jeep that just has, you know, roll bars. Yeah. What are you doing? You're putting yourself at risk. And you just mean in general risk. In not- general, I wasn't even consider. I wasn't even factoring in werewolves previously, but a ragtop convertible is a perfect vehicle to get grabbed from above mm-hmm. by any clawed monster. And there are many here. We're on the helmet. So now. many. Who's going to have particularly, oh, I bet the insurance for uh, soft top convertibles is way higher on the Hellmouth than it is elsewhere. Oh, yeah. The Hellmouth definitely Probably is just ju- insurance rates in general are we pretty high. We should check with Geico. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not the only reason, right? Uh, right. Cordelia's insurance might be high. <laughs> <laughs> right, it might be the 14 cars she's d- destroyed in an ep- in a season and a half of the mm-hmm. show. Um, but right, the werewolf reaches through. Cordelia knows exactly what to do. Put that key in, turn the car on, and slam your foot on whatever pedal you find. Any old pedal. Any old pedal will do. The car flies into reverse. I just get such a thrill every time Cordelia, like one of the plot points is like, and then Cordelia drives her car. <laughs> It never disappoints. No, it really doesn't. Um, and then Xander, now Xander takes a turn. This is where Xander takes his first turn into Asshole Alley, um, where the car wow. the car is speeding off, and they have just been attacked by a werewolf. Cordelia has managed to get the fucking werewolf off of the car, and you hear Xander as they pull away say, see, I told you I saw something. I want to murder you. I want to murder you. I just, I was so angry with him, and then the scene cuts, and we're in... Now, Sunny Day. I don't know if I was. I feel like if oh, I was yeah? like, uh, I heard something, and you were like, no. As we were pulling away, when I almost died, you would say, "Well, I guess when we almost got attacked by bears that one time, we did wait until we got back to the car yes. to get in a fight about yes. it." Yes, correct. Jenny and I almost <laughs> got killed by bears once. That's a story. A story for another a story podcast. For another day. Um, but you, <laughs> you. I, 
mean, you at least w- take a breath. He doesn't take a breath, and that's what bothers me. Yeah. Fine, fine, he was right. But, like, that's the thing. Like, he has to always say when he's right. He always has to say when he's fucking right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Jenny, I can't yeah. take it. And then we cut <sighs> to the next scene because I'm already annoyed now. We go to the next scene. <laughs> They're in the parking lot. Buffy's examining the claw holes. And she's like, hmm, yes, hmm, werewolfian. And she says, are you sure it was a werewolf? And Xander can't just say yes. He can't just fucking say yes. He's got to say, huh, well, I don't know, Buffy. It was like six feet tall and he was and, hairy. And uh, wolfy and uh, fangs yeah, and so snout. Maybe I'm a dummy, but maybe you're d- Like, just, oh, Xander. So now I'm off to the races because Xander has started to piss me off. But well, was- he's like all, he's just, he's in a worse state than regular. Yes. Right? Like, he has his heightened emotions. He's uh, got his, like, News ticker of like Buffy should date me running in the background somewhere yeah, on a lower Willow's volume. And now he's and like, whoa, Willow with another dude. Right. I don't like this. No, he's definitely like, that's the thing. He's definitely on Xander overload. I'm totally like, and, and we know because we've watched the episode now that they're taking Xander on like a major arc or even a roller coaster ride. Um, mm. And this, so, so they're certainly, I, and I get it, and I get where his emotions are coming from, but me, Kristen Russo, I'm pissed off. I'm not having it. I don't want you to correct me and tell you that, tell me that you were right. I don't need it. I don't <laughs> need it in You know my what life. you do need? What do I need? When Willow. you're worried about the fate of, of bunnies when there's a werewolf on the loose, you mm. need Oz to tell you that bunnies can really take care of themselves. You're right. I do. I love this. I love this moment, and I love also, speaking of clothing, um, like costume choices by the dressing department what are they called <laughs> i don't know wardrobe costume yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um willow is wearing a little t-shirt that we see for the first time in this scene in the parking lot with a doe on it like a little deer which is very symbolic since... doe a deer yes a female deer yes that's the that's the whole that's all you know narrative of the deer in the song <laughs> <laughs> nothing else happens to the deer a cute little doe idea. You're all welcome. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, so Willow has a cute little doe idea on her shirt, which is, of course, this, like, larger symbolism for her role with this relationship with Oz, who we find out is a werewolf later in the episode. Right. Um, but so they're um, talking about, like, oh, oh, I guess we'll have to, like, wait until next month to try to, like, catch right. this werewolf. And Willow's like, well, what about the full moon that's tonight? And they're like, wait, the full moon was... Okay, so werewolf mythology expanding night before the full moon, night after the full moon. Right, that we have a three-window. Also, Willow just happens to be actively tracking the lunar cycle. She's like, oh, well, tomorrow's the full moon. Yeah, that makes sense According to to my lunar... Yeah, she probably Studies. has, like, an app on her computer, uh, you know? There were no apps in 1998. <laughs> a widget. I don't know. There were no widgets. <laughs> You're a widget. <laughs> anyway, Giles is elated. One of the classics. Oh, my God. Giles can, cannot. He can't keep it together. He, he is more excited about this werewolf than we've seen him about most things My in books and I are in for a fascinating afternoon. Uh, come, came close to taking the sexual attention award. <laughs> Giles, Giles and werewolf and, mythology. And werewolf mythology, precisely. Yes, yeah, so Giles is all hopped up. I also, before we leave this scene, I want to talk about the fact that Buffy is wearing a cross necklace that is different. Uh, you see her wear how many? My question to you, the listener, is how many? I want to know how many flipping cross necklaces does Buffy Summers own? I you, would, somebody out there knows. Right? 
I just want to know. Like, that is, like, quintessential trivia. How many does she own? We've seen, like, at least eight at this point. Yeah, there have been a lot. There have been so many. So that's all. Please let us know. Anyhow, then we go to gym class. Self-defense class. I never had self-defense class in gym. I had self-defense class. Me too. I had, like, zip lining. You know what I mean? Like, just. You had zip lining? Yeah, we had, like, a ropes course in our gym. Gym class. We had a month of square dancing when I was a senior. Oh, wow. We had a dance part of gym. But like regular but dancing, not, not square dancing. Wow, you're doing some some shaming on square dancing. No, I'm saying, oh yeah, I am shaming <laughs> square dancing. I mean, I'm just like from the woods. Right. That's all. And right. all of our gym teachers were like really excited about it. Like I, we got the impression that they all like went to like town square dances Aww. when they were our age. So they were like That's really so into it. Cute. And all of us were just like mortified. I mean, right. It's not cute if you're the high school student having to do it. But now looking at And having to dance with cute. like every boy. Yeah. I My dance class, I just I mean, remember... not that there's anything wrong with boys or dancing with them. But in high school, it's like everything is mortifying. Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. Now, did your gym teacher wear a tracksuit is what I want to know. All my gym teachers wore tracksuits at, at different points. I'm, God, this, undoubtedly. this gym teacher nails it. I just feel like the casting department was like, hey, we need to cast a gym teacher. We'd like Jodie Foster in a tracksuit. And they were, they, <laughs> they were they like, found, how about this? This is I found this woman. You know what I mean? I love the gym teacher. Shout out to yeah, you, gym she's teacher. Great. Uh, then Larry being a giant asshole oh, again. Oh, Lord. Be still my shorts. The worst thing I've ever heard. The line that he says to Teresa before he then partners with Buffy and grabs her entire ass and is rewarded for it by being thrown across the room. Yeah, I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, that is like beyond the pale. They really took this far. Yeah. They really took it far. And like, and, like did they need to take it this far for the payoff of what happens yeah. later with and Larry? I don't know. I don't either. But But I mean, we do get... At least we get the satisfaction because we get satisfaction in this scene with Larry that I feel we do not get with Kane, who we right. Haven't Kane yet. does not get what's coming to no. him. No, but but I have a lot to say about what Kane gets at the end. But like we don't get that like gratification of a dude saying like, "Hey, I'm more powerful than you," and Buffy saying, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna fuck you up," which is like what I want as a viewer. And so we get that yeah. in this scene where like automatically Larry does something super fucked up and then gets flipped on his back. And learns his lesson? <laughs> Probably well. not. But um, but yeah, so Larry gets a flip. Then we go to the library where research is being done with an Earth and Moon globe. This is so what I wrote down in my notes was this is something I need. A moon globe? In my home. A moon globe, yeah. A Earth and Moon connected globular system <laughs> that I can hold a flashlight up to to demonstrate uh-huh. the light and dark sides for of the me? moon. For me? You're going to demonstrate this for me? For all of us! <laughs> can we have it? Please. Sh- yes, Jenny, we can have it. If anyone a- knows where to find it, please let I us know. I have just been, every day I walk around this house and I think, you know what it's missing? What's missing? A globular system. It just, <laughs> all, it just, I can feel it in my bones that if there was a globular system in this house, I would It would finally feel like a home. Content. Uh, also, so Giles loses his mind over Xander's moon pie joke, <laughs> which is a moment I really love. He's like, really good. moon pie. <laughs> I can't. I cannot. So then we get to this amazing scene in the library, and we're just going to play a sound clip to illustrate what we love about the scene in the library. And it uh, acts on, on pure instinct, no conscience, uh, predatory and, and aggressive. In other words, your typical male. On behalf of my gender, hey. Yes, let's not jump to any conclusions. I didn't jump. I took a tiny step, and their conclusions were. 
I took a tiny step, I took and a... their conclusions were just a tiny step, Buffy. We feel <laughs> you. Oh, I love when the series, because this, you know, the series. Of course, we talk about the patriarchy every week, but I love when it just takes a nice little moment out of its day to be like, let's talk about it directly. Um, yeah. Buffy being like, yes, I, what you're describing, I know you're describing an animal, but turns out, tiny step to the left, <laughs> you're just describing every man I've ever known. Uh, <laughs> and I love that Giles gets a little flustered. Giles gets defensive, too. It's not just Xander who's like, hey, you know, Giles is like, excuse me, but these can these werewolves can also be women. <laughs> we had a moment, we had like a double take moment because Giles actually says like, you know, they're not only men, they, they can be women or any, you know. Anyone who's been bitten by a Anyone werewolf. who's be, been bitten. And so we were like, oh, is Giles acknowledging non-binary genders in 1998? But then oh, just a moment later, uh, we hear him say like him or her. And we kind of put it together that he was meaning a child can right. also um, become a werewolf. But whatever. We'll take it. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll pretend that he's talking about non-binary people. Progressive in the 90s yeah. was women can be werewolves too. <laughs> Yeah, it was a different time. It was a different time. So, right. So so I think the, the last thing that I want to touch on before we go to the next scene in the, in the library is this very important bit of a werewolf's existence, which is that a werewolf is still a human being all the other days that it's not a right. werewolf, which really complicates the monster narrative that we usually, you know, follow, which is it's a monster, it's bad, we kill it. Uh, right, I right, mean, right. obviously, it's not just the only monster narrative. There's a couple of <laughs> really complicated monster narratives also going on. But um, but I like the fact that we're, that it's complicated because this only happens three days, three days out of the month. Yeah, like 10% of the month. Right, right. So it's just interesting. Like, what's the math there, you know? Mm. How many days of the month do you need to be a monster for you to be a killable monster? Right. All of the days? Or, you know what I mean? I just, I'm curious. Yeah. Um. Anyhow, then we go back to Lover's Lane. Giles want- and Buffy are in detective mode. They are. They are. I really want Lover's Lane to have, like, a fun, punny name for Sunnydale. So if anything comes to you. Oh, while, yeah. Let us know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I meant oh, you, you meant Jenny. Me. But mm, yes. Or our listeners. Giles' uh, Giles's plan is, like, let's knock on windows of cars Giles, and see if anyone's seen anything. Giles does not get it. Also, shout out to the fact that Buffy has upgraded her disguise outfit. <laughs> We have moved from a tan trench coat and tiny sunglasses to a black trench coat with a black scully cap. Yes. 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 She's ready. I mean, she, well, she just got off her shift down at the docks. <laughs> right, right. And now, now it's time for werewolf <laughs> detecting. So, yeah. So, uh, Giles doesn't understand what making out means. Uh, Buffy sees some scandalous things about Sunnydale High School students. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a great moment. And then, of course, Buffy gets snapped up into Kane's uh, werewolf trap. This guy this is the worst. Guy. It's like this episode was really designed for you and I to just be angry the whole time. Yeah. And probably a lot of you listening. I mean, it's like in fear. He is infuriating. And I just want him to get his like from this very first moment. And I give Buffy a lot of credit because she contains herself. She keeps herself composed. Praise. I re- this reminded me of watching the presidential debates uh, leading up <laughs> to the election and being like, I would vote for this woman <laughs> solely for the fact that she hasn't picked up an entire table and thrown it at this man's head. Like, I was just so impressed by the fact, because I could never, I would never, I would yeah. just snap. Um, and Buffy keeps her cool, despite Kane being the worst human. Oh, God. Good to get the, the t- fruit. Bleh, oh, while it's fresh. the fruit while bleh. it's fresh. Disgusting. His 
tooth necklace over his turtleneck? Disgusting. <laughs> yeah, this turtleneck is a bummer. I mean, I love a good tooth necklace. I'll tell you what. It, specifically on this man over yeah, his turtleneck it's the sweater. Worst. As as trophies <laughs> for the werewolves he has killed, skinned, and sold for money. I am yeah, not into it. Bummer. And also one of his one of his character development points is that he's hunted an elephant. And I'm sorry. I had a conversation recently with somebody who was like, well, so and so like hunt like has hunted an elephant has killed an elephant, but like got all the right permits and got all the right whatevers and like gave the meat to the people in the in the town that he had hunted the elephant and like did everything right. And I was like, I have all the room in my heart for everything you're saying, except I don't at all. Because you still killed an elephant. How do you kill an elephant? Dude. I just this is again my personal stuff. Like I don't know, but I'm sure there's other ways of looking at the world and whatever. But to me, it's just like this majestic, brilliant creature. So smart. So Kane Fuck off. That's what I have to say to you. Mm, yes. There's a lot of cursing in this episode. It's because of all the patriarchy. I'm sorry, oh, guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, Ooh. yeah. Yeah, so he you... He does get a sweet burn in when he says that Giles looks like he's auditioning to be a librarian. <laughs> yes, and Giles <laughs> is so <insulted>. incensed. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I've already gotten the role of the librarian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and we also learn in this scene that werewolves are apparently suckers for sexual heat. Yes, yes, they love... We, the, there was a werewolf behind the scenes at every sexual tension award site since the beginning of time. You just didn't see them there. <laughs> um, Yo, okay, so in the next scene, Teresa is walking um, home I'm at sorry, night. you're not allowed to go there until we at least say mine furrier. Oh, I forgot about mine okay, furrier. Okay, that's all. We just have to say it. We can't Mine not. furrier. Mine furrier. Okay, Great. Teresa. Okay, Teresa is walking home at night. She hears something behind her. She's getting more and more spooked. She runs smack into Angel, and we witness mm -hmm. the passage of time as demarcated by the fact that Angel has now been evil long enough to go to CVS and buy some eyeliner. <laughs> evil Angel wears eyeliner. There it is. He was finally able to pick some up. At the all-night CVS. He was, like, really uncomfortable until he got his eyeliner. Like, like he was evil, and he was like, this just doesn't feel right. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I've been smoking. I, uh, I've been putting, like, white powder on my face also, so I look more undead. But do you think, I need to bring out my eyes somehow. Do you think that he actually went to CVS to buy his eyeliner? Because I just feel like he probably is sharing with Spike. You know what I mean? Like, Spike totally has eyeliner. Mm, he, but I don't think Spike shares. Oh, okay. With Angel. I see. I, see. Oh, I don't okay. think that's okay. They're not. Right. Okay, fair, 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 fair. Not even nail polish? Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> but Teresa, I'd like to give a shout out to Teresa. She's great. Uh, she's great. What a great character that we only get to hang out with for a short while. She's just, I just think that her acting is great. Like her, like the moment when she's like surprised by Angel and she's still scared about what's behind her, I thought was just wonderful. Yeah. I just love her character. Um, as little as little of her as we get to see. Um, but I also wanted to take a Kate moment here and say, nice plaid peacoat, Teresa. Yeah. <laughs> I, too, had a plaid peacoat. Oh, did you? In the 1990s. Wow. And I appreciate you. Speaking of outfits, unless you have more to say about Teresa and it. Angel, I would like to give a major shout out to Cordelia's outfit in the next scene at the bronze when she is wearing a Tommy Hilfiger oh. turtleneck sweater with a stripe across the chest that says Tommy, Tommy Hilfiger, Tommy, 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 a fold-over turtleneck that has the Tommy Hilfiger colors striped across the Ooh. bottom of the fold. It is wonderful i love it <laughs> i love it so much and the only thing i love more 
is that our girls are back together again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Reunited and it feels so good. God. Just griping together about Xander and Oz and guys. God, they hate. <laughs> they're they're in the bronze on a tiny little couch together, hating men together. Oh, it's yeah. great. It's mm. just, it's what dreams were made of, yes. I think. I would like to give Cordelia her jingle for her Tommy Hilfiger sweater and for this wonderful love affair, which I would like to award sexual attention for. Wow. Yeah. All anytime. Right. Anytime I can give it to Cordelia and Willow. <laughs> I always will. Perfect. So, Cordelia, for you, a jingle. Cordelia, I love you, Cordelia. You're perfect, Cordelia. Oh, great. Praise heavens. We haven't heard the Cordelia jingle in a couple of episodes now. I was starting to feel nervous. I also just want to say, Jenny, um, I think we're really in some territory now for a Willow jingle. Oh. Um, This episode in particular, uh, I think, has inspired my feelings. I mean, I've always had them, but... They're, mm. they're growing, and I think I just want to put a bug in your okay, ear. Okay, okay, I'll have a think on then it. Then I think we should really work on that. Okay. Before we leave this, I just want to, like, quote the line. Guys, who do they think they are? And Willow says, couple of guys. <laughs> <laughs> so good. It was really good. Oh, so good. So then, of course, the werewolf. Uh, uh, werewolf is at the bronze. Yes, heat-seeking leads heat him to, seeking, the, right. to the bronze. Everyone runs out of the bronze. Buffy's rolling up. They slam the door behind her. For some reason, the werewolf did not chase any humans, he any was, flesh bodies. Jenny, he was too busy knocking every single table, <laughs> every over. table over. He was like, oh, they're all leaving, but there's still three <laughs> tables standing. I, I must. Pop, pop, pop. <laughs> Then then he leads Buffy on a, a chase through several beaded curtains. Yes, that's, this is a, a moment for me where I was like, oh my God, I had those. I had those beaded curtains. I put them in my bedroom doorway so that even though my mom made me keep my door open, I still had some wow. level of privacy. 40% privacy. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like Angel with his blind with lighting. His Venetian blinds. Yeah. yeah, that was me in the 90s with beaded curtains. <laughs> Um, and then I must, I, there must be just a great moment with the werewolf because I just have an all caps written down, oh God, this werewolf. <laughs> oh, I think what you're referring to is after uh, the werewolf exits the bronze, comes out into the moonlit alley. Does he... <laughs> oh, God, that's going to kill me. Does this like sort of like T-Rex pose? And you then know? kind of like dances for a second? Yeah. Like twists for... Two revolutions and then runs off into the night. Oh, God. And comes across the body of our dearly departed. Yes, Teresa. Teresa. Mm -hmm. And we see this sort of monster face off. I call it a hissing contest. (laughs) (laughs) You are smart. And funny, I mean, and I married you it is, on purpose. Right? Like it's like the werewolves hissing and fucking angels hissing, and angel <laughs> gets hissed out hissed. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like a real like you know there's like a real dog cat situation happening here, where like obviously the werewolf is the dog, and like angel mm. is like very cat like. Oh yeah. Like because he because because angel has this look on his face, like he's growling and he knows he's like out hissed, but he's like so he's like uh, rolling his eyes about it, like a cat, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Oh, fine, I guess. You I wasn't even me. trying to out hiss you. Yeah. I was just like, 
Um, right. And so two things before we even get to the, the hissing contest is Kane. This is what happens when a woman tries to do a man's Shut up, job. Kane. Shut up. Shut I up. I literally, like, if these microphones weren't so expensive, I would bend it bend it in half. In as this, though it were a long uh, As though it was gun? a long gun. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, for that line alone, because you can fucking go fuck yourself, Kane. Uh... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that was me trying to censor myself and failing right. at every right, turn. Right, 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 right. Uh, but at least I, you didn't offend anyone else by implicating them <laughs> in relations with No, Kane. no, no, no. Um, also, I, I just... We already made fun of the bronze table tippage, but the fucking, the fact that, like, (laughs) the minute the werewolf goes back into the alley, like, four bronze employees immediately go back in. They're, like, cleaning up. They're just like, They're like, again? Yeah. like the fourth time this week a werewolf has been in to tip over all the tables. Shout out to the bronze employees, you know? Hard workers. Hard workers. They always have to clean up that joint. Okay, so this is why, next scene is why... We find out why we have the dollar store werewolf costume. It is because they spent their entire budget Mm -hmm. on morphing the $1 costume into Oz. Who is priceless. Via the, who is priceless. Via the technology used in Michael Jackson's black or white video. Mm -hmm. That's what, as soon as it happened, I was like, does it matter if you're black or white? You were both times. Both times. Both, I just can't. I mean, it's such a, that's such a memory from, right? I mean, do you not have this like memory of that video coming out? It was like mind blowing that the people morphed into other people and then that he morphed into a jaguar. Wow, I don't. I you know we didn't have MTV until I was like, oh, you're missing out. Well, do you after this you want to watch the video? Probably that would be good. Yeah, Jackson. Okay, it was a big deal because it was like I think it was like really new technology and like really expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, we get that here. So that's that's the budget. That's where it went. Oz has this like incredible response to waking up naked in the forest. Yeah, he just says, huh. (laughs) <laughs> he goes home and he calls his aunt and he's like, yo, uh, is my cousin a werewolf? And like, what the fuck happens on this phone conversation? The aunt is just like, yes. And he's like, how long has that been going on? And she's like, a couple weeks. Why? And he's like, no, no reason. reason. Give my love to Uncle Ken. But also like the aunt knows that he got bit. Yeah. So why the kid? Irresponsible werewolf saying. parenting. Yeah, ex- I agree. That was my point. Um, also, Oz is wearing another New York shirt. I just wanted to shout that out because oh, yeah. we saw Oz wearing a New York Ranger shirt in his first moment. And now he's wearing a New York yoga shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like there's something there. That's all. Um, I like it. I like the New York shout outs. So moving into the next scene, we see Oz get to school and he's walking through the hallways and he, this is the first time we've seen him anywhere close to flapped. He yeah. is flapped as hell. He's so upset. And that's, that's what's so interesting is that like he was totally calm, cool and collected until he got confirmation that he was a werewolf and, and now- started. Uh, as any of us would, thinking about the larger implications. Yes. What does this mean? Who can I tell? Mm-hmm. Interesting meta. Am I going to hurt somebody? In- interesting parallel is drawn here. Of course, we haven't gotten to Larry yet, but I, I want to talk when we get there about the fact that they've kind of laid over this, like, Oz finding out he's a werewolf with Larry coming out mm. as gay. There's like a there's like this overlap that's a little confusing to me, but we'll get there. For now, why don't we get to the part where Xander slips and lets Buffy know that he actually does remember being a fucking hyena. Her! 
Berg. Which is uh, so problematic and upsetting because when Xander was a hyena, he did super, super messed up stuff to Buffy uh, at the school and pretended like he didn't remember it instead of taking ownership and apologizing uh, for his atrocious actions. Gross. So not a great moment there for Xander. Um, but we, we will turn some bends with Xander. They're coming. Um, despite this nonsense, Xander does put together like, oh, Larry, predator, werewolf. Larry got bit by a dog. Yes. But I found this very odd because they are very clear with the de- definition of a werewolf that like it brings out your most animalistic self for three nights. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Right? Right, right, right. So I'm very confused here about how everyone suddenly pivots that to mean that as a person, you're animalistic and you act out and you whatever. I think they're just flailing. I think they just don't know. They've never dealt with this before. So they're just kind of like turning over every rock they can think of. Just going to say, Larry said, I believe, that the dog had bit him a couple of weeks ago, which would not fit in at all with the lunar cycle hmm. of the werewolf vibe. Well, why? If you Do you... Because, oh, because you have to get bit when... No, because the baby bit... Okay, uh, but the baby was a baby when the baby bit Oz. Oh, right. Okay, got it. Because the a dog, dog would have been a dog bit but, Larry. Got it. When the moon was yes. not full. I see. Good math, Jenny. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so then, right. So they, they think it's Larry and Xander goes to the locker room and oh, what a scene. Yo, I think this is really great. Yeah, I do too. I'm like way into this scene. It's, it's done. <laughs> I love that Xander says, I know what you've been doing at night. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, and that's has- when Larry's like... Stop sticking your nose. Yeah, has Larry been in, like, the gay bushes? Like, what's Probably. going on? Sunnydale is so expansive. It has so many <laughs> opportunities for people. Yeah, gay yeah. bushes, gay docks. bushes, many alleys. <laughs> so many alleys. Maybe there's gay alleys instead Ooh, of gay bushes. Maybe. that. Maybe it's all subdivisions of different alley neighborhoods. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gay alleys, the arts alleys. Ooh, nice. That's where the bronze is. <laughs> so... I just, I think that this scene is done really, really well. The thing, my favorite thing about this is when Larry is like kind of like pacing around and he's about to say it and then he turns and says like, what are people going to think of me when they find out I'm gay? And then his face, his face, his face is really great. He has this like, you see him kind of hearing himself say it out loud for Mm -hmm. the first time and it's like very powerful, but it's cut very short because... They go to the reaction shot of Xander, but which has Xander's... to be, like, prolonged in order to, like, really have the effect. Yeah, but Xander, I have a note down to give Xander credit for his, or not Xander, but um, Nicholas Brendan's acting, I thought, was incredible, too. That yeah. his reaction, 
is amazing. It's not like the the scene is handled so delicately and respectfully. There is there's not like shock and awe built into it really at all. Like obviously it's a pivotal moment and Xander is like, whoa, this is not where I saw this going. Right. But Xander does not have a response of like, whoa, what? You're gay? Xander's like, oh, wow, we are in a different place than I thought we were yeah, going yeah, to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do I handle this? Coupled with, oh, I just said I have gone yes. through the same thing. And and he, like, he struggles with that, but he, I really, like, I gave Xander a lot of credit, and and maybe too much. I don't know. You can let us know what your thoughts are on this scene. Um, but I, I just thought that Xander really handled himself pretty well, and, like, it wasn't like, he didn't protest too much. Right, right, right. Um, the amount of like the the fraction of no homo right. is like so right. much smaller in his response than I think we would expect from something that was made in this time. Yes. And and that we would expect from Xander. You yeah. know, like that's that's what his I, fragile masculinity, his, right? Right. And and I and I have like a new little spot opening in my heart for Xander and I'm not saying that this is perfectly handled, but like, you know, we are dealing with, you know, teenagers in the 1990s dealing with the patriarchy as well and dealing with the masculinity that they are being challenged to present. Mm -hmm. So, like, there are a lot of factors, and I just, I have a space in my heart for Xander that wasn't there before this scene um, because I I think that he did a pretty decent job with Larry here. And Larry, man, talk about, about, like, turning on a dime. Yeah, his face is, like, soft. He's so sweet. And sorry to turn us like to turn this corner right now but one of my other thoughts and I don't know if this is going to be upsetting to people or not but I just feel like okay two guys are in a locker room they're both in high school they've both just come out to each other in Larry's mind right there is no way that you could tell me that that Larry wouldn't have it in his brain that like they were they were going to hook up and I'm not saying that's just a numbers game. It's a numbers game. And I'm saying that as a person who was gay in high school, that if I met another person who was gay in my high school, there's no way I wouldn't be like, well, I guess we have to make out. Yeah. That is not to hammer the stereotype of all gay people are attracted to all other gay people. That's that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, like, when you're in high school and you don't know anyone else who's gay, although apparently Larry's been getting some in the gay alleys, mm-hmm. Um it just, I just feel like that was a little unbelievable to me that there wouldn't have even been a moment. But I like that there wasn't because I like what this scene was. But I'm just saying. Yeah. I remember high school and I remember being gay in high school. And, and maybe Larry just went home and was like, hmm, I wonder how I can like get closer to Xander. Right. Oh, I wish we saw that plot. Now that he knows he, it's okay for him to be sensitive. Oh, he picks up the books later. He's oh. all nice. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Uh, so Willow's researching uh, violent students on the computer. Finding Buffy. And Buffy, finding mostly Buffy. Buffy. <laughs> um, yeah. And then in the following scene, we have Xander realizing that Willow and Cordelia are hanging out a whole bunch. And he is sweating it out. He's sweating it out. And I love it. I Wow. These two gals are sure <laughs> spending a lot of time together. Yeah. Um, so Cordelia <laughs> and Willow go to meet up so they can work on their, quote, homework yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh sure girls sure that's what you're doing mm-hmm. uh and then xander and buffy take the opportunity to go to the funeral home but before they do xander lets buffy know that larry is not the werewolf in what i think is like a pretty great yes he's bit. feeling really uncomfortable and that's like kind of where you know I- i'm not actually going to dock points from xander because i really do res- like have a lot of room for his process here but this is where if we were going to dock points from xander we would because really the reason 
that Xander is keeping it to himself is mostly motivated, I think, by the fact that he's afraid that he'll implicate himself right. by by outing Larry. Right, so it's right, like right. points to Xander for not outing Larry, but not really, because I think the reason you're not saying anything is because you're scared that like people might think you're gay. Um, which again, I have I have room for all of this. But seeing that fragility and panic in action is exactly. pretty amazing. Yeah, no, it's great. So then Xander and Buffy go to the funeral home. Teresa is uh, has not been attacked by a werewolf. This is confirmed. And then um, has been attacked by a vampire. A vampire so brilliant that he has uh, sired Teresa with the instructions that when she awakens and sees Buffy, she <laughs> deliver a message from Angel, um, which is Pretty, pretty sick. Yeah. Pretty twisted. I mean, Angel is pretty incredible at being horrible. Yeah. He's really going hard. Also, for some reason that no one will ever be able to explain, Teresa's family has opted to bury her in a 60s flight attendant Halloween <laughs> costume. Hey, maybe it was her favorite outfit. Maybe it was just down the alley, down the alley, down the aisle from the leftover werewolf costumes <laughs> yeah, yeah. at Party City. <laughs> So, and this this is a moment for Xander, too. This is. This is maybe Xander's best moment of the series yeah, to date. It's certainly Xander's best kill. I mean, this is incredible. Oh, the kill. Yeah. What are you oh. talking about? Uh, his best moment in the series to oh, date, in my opinion, is. When he hugs. Don't let him get to you. Yes. He's not the same guy you knew. Yeah, yeah, That's, yeah. like, pretty great. Okay, so let's. Uh, so, right. So, I, great I kill one, two, with, the, with, with the funeral with the home easel. With the easel feet. <laughs> Which is this tight, tight kill. Like, just really, really great. He doesn't hesitate. He doesn't miss a beat. Buffy is, right, Buffy is super upset. And he takes care of her. Yeah. He does. And this is, I don't know that we have really, we've seen it in, like, little moments. But this is, like, active. You know, like, it's like Xander is actively being like, wow, she needs me right now. And that's more important than my stuff. And he Mm -hmm. does it. So he gets some points. Yeah. This is good. This is good. He's not, yeah, he's not the same guy you knew, he says, which is, like, really, again, like, this validating thing that Giles gave to Buffy in the last episode, Mm -hmm. like, that he was in love with you, he did love you, that it was real, Mm -hmm. that Xander's really giving that to her, too, in this moment, that this was real, and and he's different now, and, you know, what you knew was was valid and true. I'm getting very emotional. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a good moment for them. Then So... (laughs) (laughs) Listen, we have to talk about this. For for somebody who claims to be a seasoned werewolf hunter, don't you think Kane would find time during the daylight (laughs) non-hunting hours to be making his silver bullets in his van workshop? Probably, but (laughs) I I will say that it's very satisfying to watch him make the silver bullets. It kind of made me want to make some silver bullets. Right? Me too. I would love to make a silver... Maybe we should pitch a workshop for next A-camp, making silver bullets with Kristen and Jenny. (laughs) (laughs) One more thing about Kane before we go to the next scene is just what is with this guy's haircut? <laughs> like, it's like he put his head in a blender and was like, that's good. I'm, di- I'm ready to go for the werewolves, guys. <laughs> just saying. So then we go to Oz. Um, a number one question I have. Oh, my gosh. Oz, where did you get these Oz cups? is like, thank God these manacles came from eBay just in time. Like, what? They're like, really? But they're in like an old cardboard box. Like, they were in the basement, you know? Or like, they were just shipped from an eBay seller I, in Phoenix. I don't know if you remember the 90s, Jenny, but you cannot get anything overnighted, even uh, like, you know, toothpaste, let well, alone. I mean, I think he want, he wanted them like uh, days before, but they've only just arrived. No, oh, he, right. just he just found out Sorry, yesterday. I forgot. I forgot. Well, maybe he, he wanted them for something else. And then he was like, oh, thank God I 
wanted these at exactly sure, the right, right time. Right, I'm just trying right. to come up with stuff over here. Anyway, Willow is on. She's seizing the day. A mission, and I love it. Oh, she barges in the door. She like literally. She doesn't stop knocking until Oz mm. gets up. Hell yeah! Then she gets inside the house and she's delivering this whole frantic speech about how this is <laughs> enough is enough. And she has this like mixed up line where she says, "What a girl makes has to be the first move." Yeah. <laughs> So she's she's all fired up and Oz is in a panic and Oz is like not now please not now and she is like no I am finally seizing the day here mm-hmm. and then Oz falls behind the couch and up he and comes and then yeah pop goes the wolf and now I would like to play for you I have a little segment here that I would like to do um about screaming <laughs> because I would like to play Willow's scream which I think is incredible <laughs> Okay, so incredible, incredible scream by Willow. And I played it because as I listened to it, I was like, wow, that's a great scream. And it made me think of my favorite horror scream um, of all time, which is Patricia Arquette in Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. She plays a character named Kristen. I know you know this. I've already talked about it. (laughs) Um, But she has the most incredible scream. And so I just want to play. So this scream, this Patricia Arquette, it's an extended scream. And it is the scene in Nightmare on Elm Street 3 towards the end when Patricia Arquette is in this giant room with this, like, huge rug, this, like, patterned rug. And um, Freddy comes up through the floor as, like, a giant worm with a giant fucking Freddy head. And the... Like, he comes up out of the floor in a way that scoops her up in her, like, he, like, eats her half of her body, basically. And then, like, the whole worm slams down on the rug with Patricia Arquette in Freddy's mouth. Ugh. It's it's just, it's really something. And so I, there's many screams we could have chosen of Patricia Arquette in this episode. But this is the one you're going to hear. Music to my ears. God, it's just like, I have you ever, I would please write to me and let me know if there is anyone in history who has had a better horror scream than Patricia Arquette. It's like she gets like the high pitch and then it like rolls into this like moan pitch. It's just, (laughs) I'm just saying, I think it's an art form. I think it's beautiful. And Willow really taps into a little bit of that here. Mm -hmm. Um, Nobody can touch my Patricia Arquette, but but Willow, Willow takes a stab at it and does a pretty good job. And then she runs and runs and runs and runs all the way to the library. All the way to the library where Buffy is in another trench coat. Buffy has so many trench coats. So, that's you another said. question. How yeah. many cross necklaces and how many trench coats yeah. does Buffy Summers have? She runs in. Oz is the werewolf. Mm-hmm. He's in the woods, but don't kill him. Right. And they've got this tranquilizer gun <laughs> they've been putting together. And Giles says, Oh, well, I've, you know, it's full of phenobarbital. And he says that it's enough for one small elephant. So it should be enough <laughs> for one large werewolf. And this is. Another installment of what I'd like segment I'd like to call Hellmath. Hellmath. Where we discuss mathematic equations and equivalencies yes. that only occur in the Hellmath. In the Hellmath. Last last week we learned that true love plus one orgasm equals one negative soul. <laughs> that was our Hellmath, our Hellmath. And today we're learning that one small elephant is equivalent to one large werewolf in terms of phenobarbital. Great. Great. 
Excellent, excellent, excellent. Uh, so they get out into the woods. Oz is there. Kane is there. Kane's trying to kill Oz. Uh, Buffy kicks the gun, right? As he shoots it. Kicks yeah, 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 the gun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Throws Kane off his game. Mm-hmm. Then there's just like this dance that happens. It's like, yes. then Buffy is fighting. The the wolf has Buffy up in the air yep, in his yep, arms, yep. which Giles is hilarious. Yeah, which yeah. is just a man in a wolf suit <laughs> holding Buffy. Uh, <laughs> Buffy has a great move where she takes the gun that's on the wolf's neck and sort of like slams it down to yes. get out of his grip. Great, but great, then great. she ricochets, knocks Giles and Willow Some down. Three Stooges shit. Really three Stooge uh, situation happening there. And then, but then Willow grabs the gun she doesn't hesitate nah she picks up the gun she aims it she shoots uh, Oz with the tranquilizer hell yeah Oz goes down Kane is pissed yeah and now we get this moment between Will between Willow now we get this moment between Buffy and Kane that at first when we watched it the first time I was disappointed because she just looks at him she bends the gun and she's like now why don't you get out of this town and I was like come on man I like just wanted him to get beat up or like something uh-huh. but I want to say Jenny on my second viewing I was like you know what no this is pretty tight like this is this is actually like the fucking way of a woman you know what I mean like I don't even have to drag you down man I'm just gonna bend this gun let you know that I could kick your ass and tell you to get the fuck out of my face. Yeah. I think it's probably more powerful than actually kicking his ass. Yeah. And I'm into it. I would still have liked to see her kick his ass. <laughs> but I think it's a great second option. Yes. So then, at the next day at school, we see Larry is transformed. He's picking up books for girls oh. who are uh, having books knocked out of their hands by guys who are like Larry used to be when, back when he was overcompensating. Right. And and then this is where we get this direct overlay, you know, because Xander and Buffy walk in and, and Buffy is talking about Oz and how it's going to be weird to see Oz now that he's transformed. Uh-huh. And Xander has been having a conversation, which is, of course, odd because he knows that Buffy doesn't know. Yeah. yeah. But whatever. We'll let it we'll let it fly. Uh, Xander's been having the conversation talking about Larry because Larry has transformed. Formed, right? Mm-hmm. So there's two transformations that have happened here. And I just think it's an interesting thing because I don't, it's not like this parallel that has a lot of, like a lot of like, oh, wow. And like the werewolf can symbolize this and like this is being gay and blah, blah. Like I don't really exactly get it except for the fact that Larry has transformed because he's been able to speak about who he truly is. And that Oz has gone to a place where he can accept who he truly is, mm-hmm. which is a werewolf. You know, mm-hmm. I think I think that's where the parallel stops. Um, but I, I found it interesting. And I also want, <laughs> I also just want to give it one more shout out to Nicholas Brendan, the actor, for this moment he has where Larry is approaching and (laughs) he doesn't want Larry to come over and talk to him because he's still feeling fragile about his masculinity. And so his, like, tactic (laughs) to get Larry not to talk to him is to look at the vending machine and, like, run his fingers up and down (laughs) the corner of the vending machine. Very effective. a really good moment. And so Larry Larry and Xander have this moment that is kind of sweet. I mean, it isn't because it's laced with, like, Xander being, you know... All panicky. All panicky. But I do just, like... It's really sweet on Larry's part that he's coming over to be like, I just need to thank you again, man. Like, you really changed me. And I think it's, like, really important that we acknowledge, I I think this is, like, ahead of its time in terms of illustrating how damaging it is for a person who is gay to feel like they have yes. to hold on to that and how toxic it can be mm-hmm. to sort of keep that to yourself and and 
struggle with right. what it means in solitude. Right. And how much pressure that puts on you and how exactly how what, that, wh- how it can manifest in overcompensation. Exactly. That's repulsive. And, you know, and it's the, uh, we're going to give the credit, of course, of how this is lined up with being gay and holding that in. But there's also something to be said about the fact that so much of what we see with toxic masculinity is a repression of things that men feel they cannot express because yeah. of what the world tells them, right? So it's not just with Larry and Larry not being able to say he's gay. It's also with a lot of the guys that we see in the high school who do keep knocking books out of people's hands. Right. It's You know, that's certainly not to excuse them for that behavior, but it is a really interesting thing, I think, to look at where that comes from. Mm-hmm. And you're right. This is like really ahead of the curve um, in terms of television tropes and stuff to see something like this, I think, um, to, to see it in such a balanced way. It's mm-hmm. just so fucking balanced. Like it, it, they just do like a really sensitive job with it overall. And I love that. Then Xander take, starts to take another shitty turn here, right? Because he's like getting upset about Willow with Oz. Just like the same way that he was yeah, upset yeah, about yeah. Angel and Buffy. Like, well, Angel's an animal or Angel's a, you know, a monster. And now he's saying the same thing and he starts to kind of spiral. And then Willow's not safe. Right. But, but what he's, but. But he's also saying, I want control. Yes. Because he says, if it was up to me. If it was up to me. And then there's a beautiful edit. Again, we rarely talk about the edits. But this is a beautiful edit. Because he says, if it were up to me. And then the scene changes to focus on Willow. And then you hear Buffy say, Xander, it's not up to you. Mm -hmm. So I got like the chills just saying it. Mm -hmm. Because it's such a powerful moment for Buffy. Um, putting Xander in his place and the way that it's framed it feels like and we'll see we'll be paying close attention to Xander as we always do but we'll see how it affects Xander but it just felt like the way that it was framed it felt like maybe it landed you know that Mm -hmm. maybe it actually landed with Xander that like he was kind of out of bounds and that like he needed to kind of get rain it in bro rain it in figure your shit out man it's enough is enough Um, and and that is what I think Buffy said in a very loving way um, which I found to be very powerful and then and then there we go, where I'd still if you'd still. I'd Willow still. says, I know. That's and then, really sweet. I mean, Oz has to have the best lines of the series in terms of. Like, and also one of the worst. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> but but overall, the character of Oz, he just has these great, like, if you were to say, like, hey, who has, like, some really great 90s lines? It's like, yeah. oh, Oz, all Oz, all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd very still. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, and then there's this beautiful cut where Willow leaves the se- leaves the shot mm-hmm. and then like arcs back around to come in into the shot from a different angle to mm-hmm. kiss Oz and it's this sweet kiss it's just like this quick little oh it's just so sweet and we're there we're ready for the credits to roll to feel great and yeah. instead, <laughs> instead the rug gets yanked out from under us it's- Instead of the credits rolling, Oz, like, basically, in my mind... Winks into the camera. Yes, exactly. Looks right (laughs) at the camera and says, a werewolf in love. It's like... It's sh- some fucking Looney Tunes heart-shaped cutout should like zoom yes! in from outside of the frame yes! and like close and the that, scene. And that might have been the, you know, I mean, that, that likely oh. was the intentionality anyway, you know? Maybe they just didn't take it oh, far enough so where it sits goofy. in the middle ground, but really funny. Um, yeah, and great episode. Great episode. Just such a, I mean, we, this was a long episode for us for phases. I did not think we were going to talk that that long. I kind of forgot about some of the other plot points in in this until we did the rewatch, but just a a really wonderful episode. Mm -hmm. All in all. A plus, 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 plus. 
Thanks for thanks for listening with us. Yeah, thank you. Well, I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, and when I'm not watching Buffy, I am writing and recording songs. You can learn more about me at JennyOwenYoungs.com slash buffering, and you can give me a shout on Twitter at Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. You can find me on Twitter at Kristen Nolene. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. You can also learn more about my work with LGBTQ young people and their families over at KristenNolene.com, or you can go check out Everyone is Gay or my kid is gay both online for your use buffering the vampire slayer is on twitter and facebook at buffering cast and you can shoot us an email at buffering the vampire slayer at gmail.com there are a couple of ways to support us one new way to support us we are now available on stitcher premium stitcher premium is an awesome platform for podcasts they have a ton of great shows all of the shows that you normally listen to on stitcher plus bonus episodes comedy albums original programming and tons of other premium content you can go over there now and support us by using the link stitcherpremium.com buffy with the code buffy you will get five dollars off your first year and a free month so for 30 $30, technically $29.99. You save an, even an extra penny. <laughs> $29.99, you get an ad-free experience um, with our show as well as all the other shows on that platform for the year. So that's exciting stuff. And we will likely, in the coming months, have some bonus content that will be happening on Stitcher Premium as well. Uh, if you don't know, you can also support our work on Patreon. Patreon is an awesome place where you get fun rewards for your support. You can pledge at the dollar, $5, or $10 level. At the $5 level, you get the MP3s of the songs that we write the week that we write them. So that's fun because you don't have to wait until the end of the season to purchase them. You get them right in your inbox. Uh, we also do Buffy watches and we have a secret little Facebook group going over there, which is just so active. It, everyone is talking to each other in that little secret group. I love it so much. Somebody was like, here's the deal. My partner is going to watch three episodes and I need to know which three. And then everybody like <laughs> gave their opinions. It's like a whole thing. So it's a fun space and you can find that over at patreon.com slash buffering cast. And you can also go on over to our store if you want something physical to wrap around your body and mm. remind you of our podcast and Buffy <laughs> all the time. Uh, you can find our store at bufferingthevampireslayer.com Just click on shop and you will find Smash the Demon Lizard Patriarchy t-shirts and this just in. Our tank tops are back in stock. They are pretty awesome and tis the season if you're in a place that experiences hot weather now. <laughs> and, <laughs> and if not, like stock up for when you get hot weather. Um, mm -hmm. And don't forget, if you are a patron supporter at the $10 level, you get 20% off all of our merchandise all the time, plus the satisfaction of being the best person in the whole universe. <laughs> A lofty title indeed. Mm -hmm. Guess that does it? It's everything we have to say? Until next time. Ow Ow or maybe we should say Ow
It's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.